Price for Monday, October 2nd, 2023. Coming to you from the Go Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver, and was in here Saturday night, Blake, doing rink wide with Jeff after the Canucks and Oilers, and saw a lot of people in jerseys taking our good advice, making it a little staycation when you come on down. For a game, whether it's hockey or football or soccer, and we had quite a busy weekend here, downtown Vancouver. Of course, you can always call them 331-1000 here at the Wall Center. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass, hitting switches, conducting things. The show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group, and what a marvelous day yesterday at the Applewood Performance Center in Langley. Bellwether Day, and the only thing better than the weather was the party. Absolutely packed from 10 a.m. onwards on the lot there. I know you stopped by as well, Blake. Mm-hmm. I was there with our our collaborator, Rob Reese. Shout out to Kummel and to Christine and everybody who made us feel so welcome. I saw a magic show there in the burnout pit. Cars disappearing in the smoke as the rubber hit the road. There were food trucks. It was great, great fun. Happy 25th anniversary. It was a mass Apple. of humanity. It I sure could, was. Like It was, it was <laughs> well, shocking. Silly me. I thought I'd pull up and just park in the back of the lot there. But, wow, they were packed already. They were directing me yeah, down the streets. So. I know. Anyways, had great fun. It's the 25th anniversary sale there at Applewood. No charge maintenance packages with purchase. Chance to win 25 large C dealer for details because it's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We are asking you, who do you want to see beside Quinn Hughes on opening night? Ian Cole or Carson Soucy, one of the lefties? Cole McWard, who continues to get run there? Tyler Myers? Or an acquired player, you can vote at Sikharson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog, line of the day for me. I just prefer the Jays starting pitching to Minnesota starting pitching. So I'm going to take Toronto to win this wildcard series at minus 105 on your Bodog. They're a good road team, too. Line of the day. They're a better road team than home team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Although the Houston Astros became the first team in league history, I believe, to have a losing record at home and make the playoffs. They were extraordinary on the road. That's really weird. What happened a to losing garbage can- What happened to garbage cans, huh? Yeah. Turns <laughs> like uh, that's a no matter how much people want to hate the Astros, that, that goes against all of the logic that they use any uh surreptitious. was thirty nine and forty two at home, fifty one and thirty away from their ballpark to win the American League West. More on that in a moment. Well, the Vancouver Canucks have made some cuts here, and so we're down to brass tacks in terms of roster b- battles. More on that in the welcome mat. Uh interesting alignments today at practice where um well, first of all, Elias Pettersson isn't there, so Jack Stanika is taking some turns at center ice. You still have that Beauvillier-Mikheyev arrangement on the one wing. We know that Ilya Mikheyev will not be playing preseason games now, according to Rick Tockett, Canucks head coach. We do wonder about his availability 
for opening night. His agent, Dan Milstein, checked in there, and he just said he didn't want to talk about players' health right now. But it does bring the decision to let him play on that partially torn ACL into a new light because it now looks like it may well compromise. Well, it's already compromised his preseason, may compromise his regular season. Uh, JT Miller is there with Brock Besser and Phil DiGiuseppe. We have seen DiGiuseppe in that spot, and we know how Rick Tockett likes the work he does there. One would have to think that he's a top-six placeholder until McKayev can return. Pia Suter with Joshua and Garland, and uh, Teddy Bluger with Nils Amon and, and Nils Hoaglander, the two Swedes, and we shall see whether or not uh, Holglander can get back into that top nine before next Wednesday in the season opener against Edmonton alongside Suter and Garland. If that's just too small a line for Tockett, if Joshua has completely rehabilitated himself after drawing the ire of the head coach earlier in preseason. Cole McCord still with Quinn Hughes. That's uh, it. Although wow. a bit of a change here. We had seen a lot of Ian Cole with Philip Ronick. We thought that might just be a thing. It's Susie with Ronick today, Cole with Myers, Wolanin, Breesbaugh, and Juleson fighting out to be the seventh defenseman. And, of course, um, with two preseason games left and one in Abbotsford, we were wondering on rink-wide Saturday, is Hughes really going to play the game in Abbotsford? And does that mean you're down to just the one audition left in the preseason for whomever it will be? McWard took three penalties on Saturday night against Edmonton playing alongside Hughes. I um, I know some of the underlying numbers have been okay. I'm just not seeing it there, Blake. I just And I don't know how you can think yourself a playoff team throwing a rookie of that order onto your top pair. I'm going to say we something. We shall see. And again, I'm going to say it twice first off, the, the caveat. It's preseason. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All caps, exclamation marks, it's preseason. Mm-hmm. I know that. Mm-hmm. But courtesy of Big Head Hockey, the highest 5v5 expected goals for percentage for a defensive pair. Second in the league, Hughes and McWard. Is that for a game or is that no, through, for, all preseason? through all preseason action? Yeah. McNabb and Theodore are better. That's it. I think that has a lot to do with, with the other guy. Hughes, but that's, but Quinn that, Hughes' shot attempts through this preseason are sky high. But that's that's okay as long as you're not dragging that player down. I suppose that's probably okay. Yeah, you know, he's got he's up to five minor penalties in the preseason, one every game, three Saturdays. So we shall see there. So after all the cuts, there's 25 bodies in camp here. Again, we'll get more into this in the welcome out. 14 forwards that includes Ilya Mikheyev, nine defensemen, two goaltenders. The cuts on the weekend included Vasily Podkolz and Akito Hiroshi, Jack Rathbone, Archer. Shelofs, and it is Shelofs this year and going forward, and Sheldon Dries. Uh, we'll hear from talking here in a second. First, were you at all surprised by any of the cuts? Um, uh, yes and no. Like just to just to see Shelofs and Pod and down so early ish. Um, I would have thought they'd be the last cuts sort of made. Even if it's abundantly clear that they are going down, I would have thought they'd try to find time. But it does seem like Tockett's trying to get this team uh, established a little bit earlier. And, and hey, you know, we're down to the short strokes here of the preseason with just two games remaining. Um, but yeah, it, it just with a shorter preseason, I guess we're also used to seven, eight, nine game preseasons. And so it just seems quick. 
It's you know, Hirose they didn't even see him. Well, that one washout game, which was doomed to fail, and that's all you. That's the only leash you gave this guy. Like it seems like the and and Rick Tockett's answer about Hirose backs this up. It seems like they made their decision off of you know fitness stats for Hirose. He looks very slight, which is fine to mm-hmm. some degree, and yep. it's a part of the measuring process. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know what? Credit to to Jeff Patterson too, who uh, early in this preseason slash training camp um, said he expected to see a, a little bit of more weight on Hirose when he arrived, and it was the same same kid that he saw in spring after a season. Now, for those that forget this, I mean. Players generally lose a lot of muscle mass and a lot of weight throughout the course of a season. And what Jeff says, just by eyeballing, said it looked like the same kid that he saw after 60, 70 games of hockey. So, you know, that maybe that's what they're going to wait on, is for Akita Rose to sort of look like a professional athlete before they give him a chance at the NHL. They list him as six foot and 170 pounds. Here's the head coach, Rick Tockett, on Akita Hirose. His hockey IQ is outstanding. Uh, physically, um, I think he has to learn. Uh, and, and I'm not blaming him because I think he worked hard, but he was a little low on the fitness testing. Uh, Got to get a little bit stronger, but his mind is great. So that's the positive. Um, he knows he has to go down there and work on his game, but uh, he's a he's, you know, bright future for us for sure. And and hey, the head is a big part of, of a player, and it sounds like they are fans of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but the physical part... It has yeah. to be there as well, and and you know, and I think that's you know one of the things we have said this about a lot of slight Canucks defensemen, including one Jack Rathbone. We'll discuss in a second, but when you're playing Quinn Hughes as often as you're playing Quinn Hughes, how much room do you have for another slight light yeah. defenseman? Yeah, I, I mean, a guy like Chris Tanev got away with it early in his career because mm-hmm. he was so durable. He would get pasted and then bounce right up and still make a pass like it was unbelievable before he was injury prone people should remember the first couple of seasons with Tanev we called him Gumby because he would get absolutely obliterated on the end boards and then pop right back up and be no worse for wear so you know you've got to be a freak like that early on or or beef up and so I guess we're going to see that for Hirose but overall I would say just the early Shelovs and Pod Coles and departure, even though it was probably destined to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rathbone passes through waivers. I didn't think there was any chance he was going to be clean. I mean, if Ty Smith is passing through waivers, I think Jack Rathbone is going to pass through waivers, and he did. Um, have we given up on him? Is there any prospect luster there left? I, I still I don't see the failure at the same rate that the Vancouver Canucks see the failure. Like, Grant, that I don't see a ton of things to hold on to either but i would still want to see more of him and i it's yeah i i, I think they may have made disappointing because i he looks so poised in that cameo we got in the canadian division now i realize that was a season unlike any other and some nhl people do not want to put the same stock into that but but i thought he was a little bit like chris Tanif, and he was that sort of poised guy calm looked like the game wasn't too fast for him now i, I do think he backslid a little bit last year. I didn't quite see that from him in what little time that he got. They uh, must see a fatal flaw of some sort. But he's not a dumb kid. Maybe we, the, we, the size but, again. But, yeah, maybe. But he's a right-handed shot. He's a smart no, guy. No, he's a lefty. Oh, pardon me, yes. Yes, lefty, he's a lefty. lefty. Mm-hmm. If he was a right-handed Boy, shot, he, he a right-handed probably shot, be here. He might have a chance. Yeah. You know? 
But anyways, we'll see if Rathbone. The young defenseman just has a rule. Like you, yeah. you don't give up on them, and it seems like they may have they may have given up on well, him. Well, of course, he is not of their order, though, right? They inherited Jack Rathbone. They didn't handpick yeah. Jack Rathbone. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that they have their own ideas and their own guys who they want to um, see succeed. So I think he had that going against him as well. Now, you know, the issue, um, Rathbone's got several issues now going forward in terms of being a guy to be called up 24 years old but you know he has left the ice on stretchers a couple of times in his ahl career it is still just the 28 nhl games but it's actually a pretty small number of ahl games too i mean he's played 84 92 if you count the playoffs 92 ahl games over the last three years and just 28 NHL games. So, Blake, he's played 120 hockey games over the last three seasons, which is not a lot. No. Atu Ratu sent down. I think we all knew that was coming. Needed a little more seasoning. Archer's Shiloff sent down, and I think we all saw that coming with the acquisition of Casey DeSmith. And it, it turns out that Sheldon Dries, despite doing good work on the power play last year and having the capacity to play center, is down the pecking order now as the team evaluates Guys like Nils Oman, guys like uh, Jack Stanika, who has had a very good training camp here. So uh, let's talk about Vasily Podkolzin for a second. I don't think any surprise that he was sent down. You were looking for a big camp, any big preseason from Podkolzin, as everybody has observed. He's looked a little lost. Let's hear from Coach Tockett on Vasily Podkolzin. Well, just the grass at the NHL level. You know, it's... Uh you know, it's he checks all the boxes. Hard work. What a great kid! Um, but you know, it's the uh, and now it's Grassman NHL. You know, like the reads and uh, the hockey IQ things like that. I think is very important in his development. I think him spending time with Jeremy, playing a lot, putting him in these situations, a lot of situations is going to help his that growth in his mind. That's what I really believe in. Um, and, and the organization, we're all kind of aligned in this. And so and I, I think it's right. It's the reverse Sakita Hirose, really. Um, yeah. and, and not to say that Pod Colson's a dumb player because he's not, but it's just about processing at the NHL speed, I think. Um, you know, I, I think Pod Colson is an X's and O's player, and I think sometimes he clouds his own brain. I think he, he wants it so badly sometimes that I think he's uh, he confuses himself. Um, so. He needs to find a way to go down and calm the mind a little bit, be a little bit more simple, perhaps, and then build the game up from there. But um, yeah, are we? We're not giving up on Vasily Putkolson because he's still young and he still has yeah. pedigree and effort is there and he has some translatable NHL skills. Are we giving up on Vasily Putkolson as a top six option? Um, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, can he reinvent himself as a bottom six winger if it doesn't work out? Yeah, I think he, like that, that's yep. still on the menu. But no, I think a uh, middle six. Do you want to split the difference? Yeah, I could like okay. like a twenty and twenty guy. I think he can be that player still. BC Lions with a huge victory Friday at BC Place. They beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders thirty three twenty six. They clinch a home playoff date for a second consecutive season. This is the first time the Leos have gone back to back at home in the postseason since 2011-2012. T. 
Tickets for the home playoff game go on sale October 11th. Of course, we don't yet know whether it will be the West semifinal, which they hosted last year and beat Calgary, or the West division final. And Friday's huge game against Winnipeg is going to go a long way to determining that. Both teams 11-4 and four after Winnipeg beats a Toronto Argonauts team minus their quarterback, Chad Kelly, in front of a huge crowd there in the Manitoba capital. We are, of course, as always, giving away tickets for this game. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680. We'll announce a winner on Thursday. Winner not only gets a pair of seats, but gets a food and beverage voucher as well as a gift card for the team store. Now, Leos get 458 yards passing and three touchdowns from Vernon Adams. And as we have long said, on his best days, Vernon Adams is an extraordinary quarterback in this league. I see our buddy Farhan Lalji talking about how he has moved himself into most outstanding player discussion with a performance like that. Both Alexander Hollins and Keon Hatcher eclipse 1,000 yards receiving in this football game. And Dominic Rimes has a terrific return to the lineup. He catches five balls for 92 yards. Hollins was the most wide-open receiver in the history of the Canadian Football League. Well, and especially after, like, he had done good work to that point, and then he gets behind the defense, you're going Saskatchewan. If you're going to lose track of anybody, (laughs) not that guy. (laughs) It was unbelievable. You could see Adam just get so excited when he saw it. Couldn't believe how open he was. Now, the Lions were struck with a bit of a curveball in the hours before this game. Cornerback Jalen Edwards-Cooper wasn't able to go, so they replaced him on the roster with an American defensive lineman. That forced second-year Canadian Adrian Green to fill in at the field corner, and Saskatchewan tried to pick on him, and the kid, for the most part, was pretty game. Good on you, Adrian Green. BC does give up 409 yards passing in this game, and that is not that has not been characteristic of this defense, which has been so good over the years, but... Three more sacks, including one from Metia Betts, two interceptions, and they step up when they needed to, as does our buddy Sean White, four for four on field goals. He's just been automatic there. Oh, it's crazy. So good to see you. And a fantastic time at the Lions game on Friday night. Of course, everybody, the first 10,000 fans received orange shirts in honor of Truth and Reconciliation Day on Saturday. Lions continue to win that ceremony. artistic battle, by the way, and for for the adjusted the yeah oh well, the, the September thirtieth uh, logo battle, if you will, in the CFL, they 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 win it. I liked pretty much all of them that yeah. they rolled out this weekend. They were all yeah. really uh, and they they found a way to make them unique. Like I found the Winnipeg uh, you know logo very different uh, from yep. from the rest. For sure, um, it's fun. And then the uh, Canucks went with just plain orange shirts on Saturday. Jeff noted that he was like. There's no logo or anything on those shirts. I'm like, I think they're just plain orange shirts that the broadcasters hmm. and others were wearing. NFL side, San Francisco and Philadelphia improved to 4-0. Christian McCaffrey, he sets an NFL record with touchdowns in 13 consecutive games. Wow. Now, you could say, oh, well, scoring in the passing game has never been bigger. Now, he's a running back. Of course, he's a running back that features in the passing game often. Uh, a month through the NFL season, we got the two unbeatens. We've got the two winless. We'll get to them in hashtags. And a whole lot of kind of schlock in the middle. Mm-hmm. Buffalo with a good win in the Squish the Fish game against 
Miami. I think Buffalo has served some notice. But even, here. even KC at three one, you'd be like, oh, KC's being KC. If you they watch were up seventeen nothing in the game and let and just didn't really execute very well at all. Period. No, like two hundred yards passing and one and two in terms of touchdowns and interceptions for for uh, Mahomes. That, that's they were dreadful. They were yeah. they were lucky to escape. So they, uh, they let Kansas City back. Now three and one Detroit might be a heck of a team. They won on Thursday. Of course, watched a little bit of the London game and saw Trevor Lawrence bounce back there. Cleveland misses Deshaun Watson and gets destroyed by Baltimore. We'll talk more about C.J. Stroud and the Texans in in hashtags. Uh, Tampa continues to do pretty well with Baker Mayfield at three and one. But boy, you know, I, I and of course Dallas with a blowout victory over over New England. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what's going on here. Seahawks. Uh, by the way, tonight. Saw, well, you know, I, I think. Well, what did we used to always say with our NFL insiders, Don Banks and Shereen Williams and Greg Bell, is October typically produces a lot of fool's gold, where you look at teams in October and go, wow, that looks like a Super Bowl team, and in December they're not quite the same yep. team. I think it may take all of October and maybe a little more than that to figure out just who our contenders are in the NFL this year, beyond the two unbeatens right now and some of the... Uh, usual suspects like Kansas City and Buffalo. Seahawks would do well though to uh, ensure they're three and one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on it's on a bit of a tee here, given the, the Giants start. Like, well, the Giants got guys missing yeah. here, so yeah, Monday Night Football. And uh, I don't know about you, but I took way less of an interest in the Taylor Swift element to this NFL weekend. I saw she was there again with Donna Kelsey and the Kelsey family. I saw. Her. Van City Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds was there. I saw that he didn't even get acknowledged off the top of the broadcast. Hollywood A-listers are yeah. the accoutrement when Taylor also Swift. Rants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Blake, poor Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds almost ignored. Hugh Jackman was apparently there too. Was he really? Yeah, apparently. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Heard that. Um, and while um, Friday was a, uh, uh, and there were a lot of Riders fans in the stands at BC Place on Friday. The big news and the big sadness for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their fans came yesterday as we learned of the passing of George Reed. One day shy of his 84th birthday. This is the all-time rider, played 13 seasons there. Order of Canada guy at one point was involved with 47 different charities and community groups on the ground there in Saskatchewan, lived many years in Calgary. He helped Saskatchewan win their first great cup. He retired as the CFL's all-time leading rusher and touchdown scorer. He was really kind of Jim Brown, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, all those great NFL running backs rolled into one. He starred as a fullback for the Washington State Cougars prior to coming to the CFL. Grew up just outside of Seattle in Renton, Washington. Was an absolute legend of the Canadian game. So our condolences to everybody mourning the loss of one of the great CFL players. I mean, he's on the podium or on your top five of the greatest CFL players of all time. Whitecaps, Blake Price. 2-2 draw with D.C. United. Brian White's head scores another goal. Yeah. Almost death, death re- remember if you can Brian just White's head. replace his body with a stick man, but his head is still there, affixed, whether it would score a goal. I just don't understand how he continues to get wide open, too. Like, that's like that's the guy you got to mark. Yeah, it's the one guy. Just I heard Spikey talking on the radio broadcast about how, you know, sometimes it depends on the flight of the ball in terms of whether a defender can get their head on it before the attacking player. 
So full credit to all the crosses that are coming Brian White's way. But as, as Doyle also points out, he's he's five eleven. Like <laughs> we're not talking about like a towering six That's foot right. four guy. Like like it's not a forty five inch vertical on a tall guy no. to begin with. It's it, honestly and and Vanny Sertini with no wink and a nudge said he's the best striker in MLS. Not the best finisher of the ball. Different. But he's the best at that position because, A, he can finish, even if he's not the best finisher. But everything else that he gives you, Vandy's like, I would want nobody else as my striker. He thinks he should be on the U.S. men's national team. Um, like, he, he he just can't glow enough about what Brian White brings to the table. Now, all that being said, it's it's another game. You go back to the, the, uh, the two losses. So the last four games... Just before we yeah. go forward, two years ago, June acquired for allocation money from New York Red Bulls. Hey, wasn't Mart- Martins involved too, Felipe Martins? No, no, I made a mistake in the, the transaction. He has been worth every penny of the TAM and the GAM that they allocated to the Red Bulls. Yeah. To get him over since, because at first he thought, oh, he's just kind of, you know, striker depth, and he gives them another option, a different style of striker off the bench, right? And even beginning of this year, Blake, we were going, uh, if Brian White's your number one striker, are you really that good or that clinical and offensive team? Hats off to him. He has been extraordinary. Sorry, you were saying. Just the, in the last four games, they've got two draws and two losses. I would argue they should have been three wins and maybe a loss. Sixth in the MLS West, tied on points with Portland, but have a game in hand against Portland. San Jose is one back, but they also have a game in hand against San Jose. Problem is they don't have games in hand about uh, on anybody who is above them. But they've got head-to-heads the with them, which, which they do have head-to-head. Like head. three, ba- three points back of second place and a couple of really good things going the Caps way here. Number one, Wednesday at BC Place against the St. Louis side that has already clinched first place in the West. They just did that, so St- now they can have maybe a bit of a bye week in their own mind. so. Yeah. You would think a Wednesday to have to come up, play on the turf here, in that St. Louis will bring a secondary team or put a secondary team out there. It's a rotation game for them, for sure. For it sure, it's a rotation game. And in fact, the odds makers have already built that in. Vancouver is a favorite in this match, according to Bodog. St. Louis is actually a pretty long odds. I think it's plus 285 to win the game. So you've got a team that might come in here looking to achieve something other than victory Mm -hmm. and that's to get some guys some run and maybe experiment with some players in advance of the postseason and then the other thing they've got going for them the caps nine teams make the mls playoffs there's a play-in game between the eighth and ninth place side you certainly don't want to slip there but minnesota and sporting kc are five points back of vancouver and the caps have a game in hand against sporting kc so the way we see it, a Vancouver win on Wednesday, coupled with a Minnesota loss against LAFC, if that doesn't clinch them a playoff spot, that puts them right on the verge, Blake. Oh, a draw even. A, a loss or a draw, right? If Minnesota gets to 39 points with two games left, the best they can get to is 45, and Vancouver would be at, at, at 46. 46. So a loss or a draw for right. Minnesota. So And Sporting KC has just the two games remaining. The best they could get to is 44. So Vancouver would be uncatchable 
by both of those sides. And then it would be about positioning with Dallas, San Jose, and the others who are right there on the periphery or on the fringe. They are capable of of having home field. They're capable of having no home field. And they are capable of falling into the play-in game. And it is a a best two of three in the opening round of the MLS playoffs. And you would have two at home if you finished in the top One and three. Game one and three, strangely. I thought they would go with two and three or one and two. But it's one and three as the home field. The baseball season is over. The Toronto Blue Jays make the postseason the seattle mariners do not it's jays and twins in one wild card series game one goes tuesday kevin gosman against pablo lopez game two with jose barrios versus sunny gray game three if necessary chris bassett and joe ryan and that also means that the two lefties kikuchi and ryu would be available out of the bullpen for toronto blake they uh i think might have tanked yesterday to Get that final wild card and face Full Minnesota. Credit. Full credit. Houston winds up winning the division. So it's Texas at Tampa Bay in the other wild card spot. And then there was the aftermath of the Seattle Mariners. Eliminated Saturday with a loss to the Texas Rangers and Houston's win over Arizona. Cal Rally, their catcher and becoming the voice and conscience of that clubhouse, quote, we've got to commit to winning. We have to commit to going and getting those players you see other teams going out and getting. Big-time pitchers, getting big-time hitters. We have to do that to keep up. That is a shot across the bow of ownership and management. finished by saying, I'm not going to apologize for wanting to win. Smash cut to the day after. I apologize for my words yesterday. Well, and this is after a meeting with manager Scott Service, who told the media, you know, we've had a few issues this year with guys who – let emotion get the best to us. He referenced George Kirby. Remember that one game where he said he didn't want to have to go back out there to face the lineup for a third a third time. Uh, of course, Texas has been huge spenders in free agency the last couple of years. Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, the former Blue Jay, getting enormous deals out of Texas. But, you know, I don't necessarily think it needed to be that um, – pronounced for the Mariners, if you keep Paul Seawald at the deadline, you have an excellent lefty reliever at that time when DePoto, the general manager, was talking about how tired the bullpen is. There were cheap bats available at the trade deadline. Again, not guys who in and of themselves you look at and go, they're a difference maker, but guys who would have been useful down the stretch. Cal, so Cal says what he says, then apologizes the next day, except that next day, which is yesterday, J.P. Crawford then doubles down, said Cal had great comments yesterday. I know there was a big controversy about that earlier this morning, and I'm with him on that. I think we need to go out there and really make a move to help this team win. Dave Softy Mahler of KJR Radio, the only appropriate response from the Mariners to what Cal said, we agree. And now he and many in Seattle are looking at and going, you have to fire Service and DePoto. You need a management team that the clubhouse believes in because right now the clubhouse doesn't believe in those guys. You need a guy that can rally this clubhouse because you have a split between the players Mm -hmm. and management and ownership. They have arguably the best rotation in baseball, and they punted at the trade deadline. They got weaker at the trade deadline and didn't give this group a chance. When you manage like that, those are the sorts of comments you're going to get from competitive ballplayers. Good on Cal Rowley and J.P. Crawford.
And it's going to be very interesting to see if the Mariners get involved with some of the bigger free agents this offseason. I think they almost have to. It's really too bad because I was looking forward to watching the playoffs on both fronts from a Jays and a a Mariners front. It's it's really too bad. As I say to all our uh, Mariners fans and listeners, I have no quarrel with your team other than when they're playing the Blue Jays. And, of course, they got over on them in last year's wild card series with a comeback for the ages. Frankly, when they're not playing the Blue Jays, I'm a Mariners fan. I root for them. Especially root for J-Rod. How can you not? What a ball player. But that is a mighty disappointing finish to the season. And I think you can pin the tail on management and ownership more so than on that ball club. Make sure your ankles are taped, basketball Phil, when you uh, jump on the Blue Jays bandwagon and then jump off again. Oh my, look at this. Yeah, the thing is, I don't think it works the other way around, Grady. You see, we all... Blue Jays fans, Canadians, we can be magnanimous and get on the Mariners bandwagon. They can't get on ours. Just a blind spot for them. Oh. A couple little things here. Well, one little thing. We've told you we're going to make more announcements about our programming rollout for this hockey season, and we will later this week and into next week. Just want to cue that for the time being right now with everything going on, Lions, Whitecaps, baseball playoffs, Canucks regular season, we're putting to the people we go on the shelf – we're going to bring it back when the sports schedule calms down a little bit. If you do have a good tell me I'm wrong, a hot take, what have you, certainly fire it to the inbox. We will be taking comments on every Yeah, we'll put them in intermittently. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to work them in intermittently, just not a dedicated segment right now. Get back to it when the sports schedule thins out a little bit. As we know, September, October, one of some of the great weeks in sport where you've got all the different leagues going on, so... Looking forward to the start of hockey season and basketball season, of course, with the baseball playoffs and the NFL and CFL stretch drive upon us. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1. Go to drinkag1.com slash and price. You'll unlock a special offer, and it's a great way to ensure that you're giving your body what it needs, a good foundational nutritional supplement. Check it out, drinkag1.com slash and Price. We'll talk to J-Pat today after the weekend that was the preseason win against Edmonton and all the cuts. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including, well, very sad, sad day for the Calgary Flames and all of hockey with the passing of Chris Snow. And we'll uh, look back at a fiery Ryder Cup that went down this weekend. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. We're down to the final battles for roster spots with these 23-24 Vancouver Canucks with Ilya Mikheyev still ailing and 
really giving us cause to again wonder why the club let him play on a partially torn ACL last year, given it now looks like it's compromising the beginning of this season. The forward battles coming down to Dakota Joshua, Jackson Nika, Nils Amon. It's likely that two will dress on opening night between center Teddy Bluger, with one serving as the 13th forward, but we'll see about McKayev. On defense, it's, uh, well, not quite as tidy. Cox may still be figuring out who plays with Quinn Hughes on the right side of the top pair. That could have a trickle-down effect on the other pairings, where only Ian Cole and Philip Ronick seem set. They're split today at practice. Will Carson Soucy have to play his offside with Hughes? Is rookie Cole McWard really up to the task? Will they need to resort to Tyler Myers? Is Noah Juleson going to get more run? There's also the battle to be that. That seventh defenseman coming down to Christian Willannon, Guillaume Brisbois, Noah Juleson. Plenty to sort out there with two preseason games left at Abbotsford Center Wednesday and at Rogers Arena Friday, plus plenty of practices. We know how much head coach Rick Tockett loves practicing, and he'll need those sessions in the final full week before the October 11th opener. That's Welcome at for today. We invite your feedback, feedback channels as follows on email, live at SecarisonPrice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter. I'm at Sakaris at Sakarison Price. And the welcome at a presentation of Great Clips. Your local Great Clips salon is proudly Canadian-owned and operated. There are 37 of them in Vancouver and the lower mainland because Great Clips, the largest hair salon brand in the world. What do you think? Well, first of all, I wanted to address the uh, the intro. Um, um, Anderson Cooper is doing a big uh, investigative report into the running of the bulls in Pampelona, by the way. So uh, I, I think you should go check that out. Oh, I absolutely will. Um, <laughs> and I've, I actually have a, a guy I went to school with at Carleton yeah. has was gored one year. Well, he was just one, of the, he was just one of the guys who was in hospital after this. He yeah. was kind of a risk taker, and he, in fact, it was it was the summer after we graduated. So when we all parted, he said, "I'm going off on European walkabout, and one thing one of the things I'm going to do is run with the Bulls in Pamplona." Uh, a few weeks later, uh, during one of my internships at a newspaper, I was on the phone with him from his hospital bed in Spain, where he was telling me about how he got gored in the buttocks oh. by a horn. Oh, but it's, here's my bigger question. Insurance guys run the world, right? Yeah. How in the hell has this been allowed to continue all these years? Are those hospital bills covered when you're sitting uh, like writing off a $25,000 foreign like, hospital? What is the length of liability form one has to sign to get into that corral? And again, wearing the red scarf. <laughs> it's for people with the death wish. I'm sorry to, I don't mean to laugh. Somebody has lost their life here. But by the same token. But it's, it's, it's I don't, how? It's not a voluntary loss of life, but it, you fully know the risks. Oh, my God. Who in their right mind? Yeah. Although they probably think that we're crazy. The you know, news of grizzly attacks and it t- took down two people. But we don't run bam. with them through the streets. Well, you're kind well, of you're running, walking you're running and, in their streets. Yeah, hiking in their territory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... That was me a month ago. I had the bear spray ready to rock. Yeah. All right. Joshua, Oman, Studnika, what do you think if you had to guess? Um, I'm going to go Studnika so and Joshua. Yeah. So and, am I. Uh, so am I. 
more on this coming up with Jeff, but I, I the, yeah. the, you know, and we we said this, and it's it's somewhat disappointing, and yet yeah. uh, from Talk's perspective, I think it's very understanding. Uh, I said this right off the top of training camp. I think he's going to default to veterans that he knows. Now, I didn't expect to see Hoaglander necessarily where he is currently, so that's maybe the one win for the younger crew. But I. Uh, I fully expected that Tockett would default at the start. And I'm not saying that Tockett is uh, closed off to young players making the lineup down the road. But I think every coach wants to default to guys that he can trust early on, and he sees those guys as, as trustable early on. Answer me the Bodog poll question. I went a player acquired from here, but it, if it can't be that, one of the lefty free agents, Susie or Cole, beside Hughes, you are... This is where my... Well, I, again, I'm going personal. This isn't a prediction. This is my yep. personal thing. I, I'm feeling gambly with McWard. Okay. I'm feeling gambly with McWard. Now, well, if you're, well, if you're well, asking me what I think Tockett might be thinking, I wonder if we see a parachuting into the top pair at the last second, Tyler Meyer saying, oh, they know each other. They've been around each other for a long time. Well, Lannon, Breeswad, Juleson for seventh defenseman. Um, and we ha- we're not going eight just because we don't necessarily think they can get 23 on the opening night roster and be cap compliant. I was surprised they cut Erwin as early as they did. I thought veteran I think he status. Was, yeah, but I thought he was around. pure depth. He didn't yeah. get a ton. But he played a decent amount of NHL games last year. And they know that, and they'll use that later. Yeah, mm-hmm. if need be. He I wasn't being claimed. I'm, I'm thinking he goes with Willannon, yeah. which is a bit of a gamble for him, I think, ultimately, because he's um, that kind of a player. But I, I think he's going to go well on it. Okay, I'm going to say Juleson just because they committed to him at the end of last season. They started him on a pair with Quinn Hughes, and they may need the extra righty if all I things think the righty fail part on, tips that for five, him. Yep. Uh, on that five-game road trip, which comes up a week from Saturday right after the home opener Wednesday against the Oilers. Next Wednesday. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Secure's Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. And the Applewood Auto Group had uh, quite the show, as we talked about off the top. Um, I, I couldn't believe how many people they can get onto that lot at the Applewood Performance Center. Just a spectacular day, and uh, the smell of burning rubber filling the air. Uh, check out the Applewood Hey, on a random Tuesday in May, it's like an Applewood uh, Auto Show at the Applewood Performance Center. So sure. do check that out. Uh, and, of course, uh, hey, check out uh, Applewood Mitsubishi and the Richmond Auto Mall as well. But our poll question, who do we want to see beside Quinn Hughes on opening night? Cole or Susie, McWard, Myers, or an acquired player? You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter. Vote on your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Milwaukee plus 155 favorites to win the East after acquiring Damian Lillard. Boston, the second choice here now at plus 175 after acquiring Drew Holiday, big trade yesterday. Portland continues to rebuild. Toss of the coin there on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is, Rankwide's Jeff Van, uh, Jeff Patterson, Rankwide Vancouver's Jeff Patterson. He covered the game on Saturday. We did a post-game pod. He was at practice yesterday. How are we doing, Jeff? Yeah, good. Uh, eventful Sunday. Wasn't expecting that, uh, quite frankly, as uh, the axe fell 
uh, was 20 guys in one fell swoop and then one more with Arthur Silovs after uh, practice. Uh, he got into practice and then they said, nope, Artie, you join the crew. I kind of envisioned this bus rolling up to Rogers Arena and them just shepherding 20 guys or 21, as it turned out, uh, down the highway to Abbotsford. But clearly want to get down to numbers here and all business. And I think part of that is uh, getting a better look at uh, the poll question there. And that's really now the story of this whole camp is uh, who is going to wind up on on the right side with Quinn Hughes. Uh, did anything surprise you from yesterday's cuts, Chef? Sure. I, I mean, just the, the sheer scope on one hand, because I thought with the game in Abbotsford on Wednesday that maybe some guys would stick around and get one last chance. And, you know, Akito Hirose played one game in the preseason, and that was the 10-0 loss in Calgary. Pud Colson wondered if uh, there was going to be another chance for him. But I think this is a direct message to those players that you weren't good enough. And the message to the ones that are around here is, like, get down to brass tacks. There are two preseason games remaining. There are still... Uh, jobs to be won here. There are additions to be had. Uh, and as far as the practice went, you know, Dakota Joshua was back at practice. He's still part of the NHL group, obviously, but he didn't play on Saturday night. But maybe the surprise was the fact that in the light of day on Sunday, there was Cole McWard alongside Quinn Hughes again at practice, you know, after three minor penalties uh, in the win over the Edmonton Oilers. So it does feel like uh, he's got some leash here. And we'll see if he lines up with Hughes again through these practice days. And then ultimately, uh, how do things shake down Shake down with the two games left against the Kraken on Wednesday and the Flames on Friday night? What do you make of the pairing just in terms of salt and pepper? Uh, how do they work together? Um, d- does it make some sense to you? You're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I guess on one level, they want it to work. A young right shot guy, cost controlled and at a, an attractive uh, price point for this team that is still salary cap strapped. And don't lose sight of that, that, uh, you know, even if they scour the waiver wire, uh, somebody would have to fit in to their salary cap structure. Now, a lot of the guys that are on waivers are close to or at the league minimum. So uh, maybe they will do some bargain bin hunting here. But I think they like the mobility of Cole McWard. I think that they are still trying to figure out if he can play. And the three minor penalties, they didn't help. I talked to him after practice on Sunday, and he felt that they were all things that he could eliminate from his game, that he has to make better decisions in terms of, you know, when you go and chase a guy into the corner, don't get your stick across his back and put the refs in a position to have to call a cross-checking penalty, wrap him up, or, you know, just gloves on the back, but, uh, you know, don't cross the line and take those penalties. So, uh, you know, one thing to say it, it's another now to see at the NHL level. Things happen quickly, we know, and, and you know, he's got to make those judgment decisions and, and react accordingly. Um I kind of thought that we might, and we talked about this on Rinkwad on Saturday, like Ian Cole as a partner for Quinn Hughes, I still think is a card that they've got in their back pocket here. We haven't seen it through camp. I think they really like Cole and, and Philip Ronick and what they've seen from those two so far. But I will be curious to see uh, how they deploy their defense pairings through the practice week because they do have some practice time here and then ultimately those two games. So uh, the fact that Cole McWard survived the cuts when a lot of other guys were sent to the minors already uh, that's a good sign for him, but uh, he can't. He's taken a minor penalty in all three of the games that he's played. He has five minor penalties through three games here. Uh, that's not going to get it done for him and help him make this hockey club. He's got to prove that he can perform when he's out on the ice and do his best to stay out of the penalty box. So Cole's your preference then, Jeff, if it were you? I, I get confused because there's Cole McWard and Ian Cole. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I'm but, Ian, yes. Well, I haven't seen him yet, so I, I want to see that. And we saw Carson Soucy in Victoria. We saw Noah Juleson start training camp. Like they have wheeled some guys through, but they seem stuck on Cole McWard right now. But I do think that they probably have a sense of what Ian Cole is capable of. But I would think if you're going to 
end up with that, you'd want to take a look at it. I mean, that is what the preseason is for, and there isn't a whole lot of intrigue left in what they've got on this roster. I guess the you know twelfth and thirteenth forward battle uh, will ultimately be decided here this week as well. But I, I I would think that you would see, even if it's just in a practice, that they would take a peek at Ian Cole and Quinn Hughes at some point here. Who's the bigger forward story for you, PDG or Niels Hoaglander surviving to this point? Yeah, I'm still not a fan of PDG in the top six on this group, but I say that with all due respect to the guy that performed and held up his end of the bargain mightily on Saturday night, and maybe there is a little bit more there. He had 12 points in the 30 games that he played for the Vancouver Canucks, but he's never really profiled as a big-time scorer. And if you're playing with JT Miller and Brock Besser, that is the top six on this team. And I'd like to think that there are other options, better options. And again, uh, Ilya Mikheyev skating really well at practice on Sunday. And I posted some video of that. Like in stride, he looks good, but still in a non-contact jersey. So, you know, we're not sure where he ultimately slots in. And maybe there is an opportunity there. But in the meantime, PDG doing what he has to do. And Rick Tockett is enthralled with this guy's size and his his ability to win battles, but you saw some playmaking the other night uh, as well, although throwing a you know waist-high pass at Quinn Hughes. There aren't a lot of guys in the league that are going to bunt that in, but Quinn Hughes <laughs> is, is one of them, so that makes PDG look a little bit better there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that we're talking a week out from the start of the season is looking long and hard at is Phil DiGiuseppe uh, with JT Miller and, and Brock Besser. So uh, the fact that Hoaglander has uh, made it through the cuts where some of the others didn't, I mean, he remains very much a candidate to earn an opening night spot and then you go a little lower, and then you get to the likes of Nils Amon, Dakota Joshua, Jack Stadnika, you know, fairly interchangeable parts to some degree. Joshua, a little bit more of a physical profile. Uh, Stadnika's got the speed. Amon can play center, so he's got some versatility. I suppose Stadnika does as well. But ultimately, it's going to depend on you know what they're looking for. Uh, and I guess once you get down to 13 forwards, maybe it's uh, opponent dependent some nights. If the other team is speed and you want to match their speed, if you want size and, and physicality. So I think that the, they'll keep some options here. Through it all, though, guys, I will say this. I, I mean, I think there's this belief that the Canucks have upgraded around the fringes here in the offseason. Teddy Bluger and Pia Suter coming in. Uh, Dakota Joshua and Neil Zoman both have you know, a full season of being NHL regulars under their belt. But I do want to see that like mean something to this hockey club. I know I do do something. Now I'm going to mean something. But ultimately, like you look through the preseason, who scored the goals for this team? Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Kuzmenko, uh, Connor Garland has won uh, the other night in Seattle. But like I'd like to see as this team gets better. Like I want to see a little bit of a bottom line. Like it can't just be wall work. Like at some point that wall work has to translate into something more. And I want to believe that the Vancouver Canucks can win around the edges and. You know, maybe that's a competitive advantage that they have on some teams and some nights. You're not expecting those guys to be difference makers. Hear me when I say that. But ultimately, is it enough for guys just to get in on a heavy forecheck and call it a shift? Or does that heavy forechecking have to wear down opponents and lead to something? Or maybe it is that they're wearing down opponents so that the offensive guys can come on on the next shift and you know do their thing and go to town. But I, I'd like to see more. And through the preseason here where some guys are getting real opportunities, just like to see some sort of tangible takeaway beyond did they win a, a board battle somewhere yeah. through the night. Guys, I, I mean, Hoaglander's going to make this team. He requires waivers. Like so yeah. No, no, but yeah. they're not going to send him on waivers. So Hoaglander's on this team. 
Uh, I think we can. Uh, but, but this is the time where you make tough decisions. I I, I no. don't think anybody saw Ty Smith being put on waivers by the by the Penguins. I yeah. mean, you make tough decisions at this time of year and decisions that might impact your team. I'm not sure Ty Smith was that tough a decision given he cleared through 31 teams. I, I think Hoaglander's on the team, Jeff. And I think he's on the team regardless of Mikheyev's status with no preseason games. Do you think they can even count on Mikheyev for the opener at this stage? Or do you think he's going to start? As an injured player. Yeah, my hunch is, and Tockett said as much, that uh, just can't guarantee he's going to be ready for opening night. And I do think, guys, that this forces us to revisit the decision of the when they shut Ilya Mikheyev down. Like, if he's not ready for opening night, and Jim Rutherford pounded the podium a week ago and talked about everything going right for this hockey club, well, if Mikheyev's not ready... They made the decision to keep playing him until January 27th and then to have surgery at some point in February. If he's not ready, that falls into the category of something that didn't go right for this group. And so you wonder. I mean, he did, it's not like Tockett needed to see him down the stretch. He only played three games after Rick took over in January. And then when they got to the All-Star break, that's when they made the announcement that uh, Mikheyev wouldn't play. So... Uh, it was questionable decision-making then. It's kind of been forgotten a little bit here, but as opening night approaches, why isn't Ilya Mikheyev completely ready? Why wasn't that surgery done a year ago? Why, I mean, he got hurt in the preseason a year ago, and I understand they thought that they could rehab it and he could play through it, but when it was apparent that this last season was going off the rails, to me, that should have been one of the priority decisions right then and there was get this guy healthy with an eye to next year. Now it feels like he's going to be chasing the game a little bit here, and you just wonder, like, when will he get back to 100%? But, boy, uh, it really feels like they lost some time. And I do wonder about the decision-making. Yeah. The no, Christmas break quite provides, right. The Christ Christmas break should have provided some sober second thought. And January 1st, if they make this decision, right. guess what? He's probably ready. Or, or, or even before that. like Sure. The, but, the playoffs were lost before that. Yeah. Like, son, you're on a partially, partially torn ACL. Love your heart. Love your dedication. But yeah, let's make the wise choice. And if he doesn't factor, Jeff, then we're down to, like, what, Oman versus Joshua versus Stanika with, what, yeah. two of them playing and one is the 13th forward on opening night? Yeah, I mean, no, I think I think that's how the math sort of shakes down for me. And then it's a question of, you know, where does Beauvillier slot in ultimately? Played with Kuzmenko and Patterson the other night. We didn't think that he had a terrific night. There's more there from Anthony Beauvillier. Uh, you know, will Rick Tockett be willing to start a line with Connor Garland and Nils Hoaglander, a couple of undersized guys that, you know, big heart and, and battle level. But again, Rick Tockett loves his wall workers. You know, could you see Dakota Joshua slot in there? Joshua didn't play uh, on Saturday against the Oilers. And then, yeah, Studnika looks like, you know, the hard work that he put in through camp in the preseason has paid off because I think he's going to be around here uh, ultimately when they set their opening night roster in a week's time. And then Nils Amon, I still wonder about Nils Amon as an everyday National Hockey Leaguer. Like, there there just isn't a whole lot there there. He's got the size. Uh, you know, he wasn't great in the face-off circle last year. Uh, I think they felt that he was going to develop. Remember, they sent him down to the minors for a while and then brought him back up. But they sent him down because he really did hit the rookie wall. And this is where I talk about, you know, what do you do around here? And when I look at Nils Amon, I'm still not sure. A little bit of penalty killing utility, I suppose. And maybe the fact that uh, he could slide to the middle if they do have an injury at the center ice position. But this is where I would have liked to have seen just something a little bit more from him to you know, through the preseason, at the very least, just to say, oh, yeah, that's why 
Uh, you're on the radar here. That's why you're still in camp. You're surviving all of these cuts because this is what you do well for this hockey club. And I still kind of feel like even with a year under his belt, I'm still kind of getting, you know, trying to get a full read on Nils Amon and ultimately what he can do to help. And, and for yeah. other guys that are on those uh, bottom six lines, I think you can say that. Like Dakota Joshua at his best, I think we know what extra he brings to the team. Um, with Amon, he just looks like a guy. He, like, I, honestly, there's yeah. just, there's nothing that you can think of him, a perfect night for him. What does that look like? I don't know. And I know what that looks like for a guy like Joshua. Well, I think it's the penalty killing with Amon. I think that's what he brings that might be, and the ability to play the middle, but which might be a little bit different the than dreadful the dreadful penalty kill last year. No, he was. I mean, he was. But I mean, his first season coming yeah. over from Europe. So you got to ask yourself, you know, whether uh, you want to continue to invest. And develop at there. the NHL level, right? Uh, versus put him. And that's kind of where I, it was yeah. Tanika. And, and I was there in Victoria, and I agree. Like the other reports that like he did look like he was hustling and was one of the players that, you know, looked intent on sending a message. But ultimately now through the first week of the preseason, you know, they're all pros. They should all be hustling. Like this is what they're paid to do. And so the fact that Jack Tanika stands out, Great for him. I know it's the old torch line, but I'm, I'm still not sure ultimately what Jack Stanika is going to do to make the Vancouver Canucks better. And that's where I come back. It just feels like a lot of interchangeable parts mm -hmm. uh, in those bottom six. And, and if this team's going to get better, you want the top end guys to continue to improve and get better from within. But I do think that, you know, there has to be some expectations on the guys around the fringes. And I, again, I'm, I'm just curious to see what those look like once uh, they start playing for keeps uh, on October 11th. Good stuff, Jeff. Thank you for this. We'll catch up later in this week. All right. Uh, with a couple of big decisions left for the Canucks. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sounds good. Carson Price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter.com brought to you by Jason of Jason, Jason Dominic of Jason Dom Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage, but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. It's your mortgage is up in the next six months. Now is the time to reach out. Find him at Jason Dom Mortgage. A uh, lot of uh, attention on Bryce Young, of course, to start the season. First overall pick. But how about the guy that came after him? At ESPN <laughs> Stats Info, CJ Stroud is the first rookie since the 1970 merger with 250 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and no interceptions in three yeah. straight games. Well, he was known as the more sophisticated passer of uh, the most sophisticated passer of this quarterback class 2023. The other thing is, is Houston has invested a lot in that offensive line. And when it's healthy, and it wasn't in the opening week, I believe they had two of their five starters. But when that offensive line is healthy, he should have a cleaner pocket more often than not. And, you know, that's a recipe for success for a rookie quarterback to know that he's got the time as opposed mm -hmm. to go back there and not only go, oh, my God, the speed of the NFL is so much faster. And, oh, I don't even have my two and a half seconds. To sit here and find a Watch, receiver Watching the first f five quarterbacks chosen in the NFL draft is always an interesting uh, experiment, yeah, right? Well, like, just particularly because a lot of them tend to go to bad teams that aren't well surrounded, and so do they have, they have to overcome, and can yeah. they overcome? And 
Do they get ruined by what's around them? I think you're maybe seeing a little bit of that with Zach Wilson and the Jets, although I'm not entirely sure that he has the goods to begin with. At NFL trade underscore rumors, Bears wide receiver Chase Claypool. That's Abbotsford's Chase Claypool to remain away from the team this week. He was a healthy scratch and not on the sidelines for the Bears blowing a 21-point lead against Denver. It's an important loss for my Bears, Blake, in the Mm. Caleb Williams sweepstakes. As a matter of fact, they would hold the first two picks in the draft if it were held today because they have Carolina's pick. They're also winless. Uh, Claypool wasn't even on the sidelines. He was asked a question about whether he's being used properly late last week, and he shook his head no. Uh, Incidentally, the Bears had their best passing day of the season with 300 yards. He's not going to be at the facility this week as the club explores trade options. One report said the Bears have already told him they're done with him. He has played 10 games since the trade last year with Pittsburgh, 18 catches, 191 yards, one touchdown. It's four catches for 51 yards this year, and this, of course, being acquired for the 33rd overall pick, the first pick in the second round this past draft. So um, not a acquisition that has paid off. For my beloved football team and Claypool's career now at a bit of a crossroads. One of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the league, is saying they don't want you around anymore. And this is really the second crossroads because I feel like he was at a crossroads last year. With Mike Tomlin. Was able to survive it as a National Football Leaguer. You wonder if he can do it again. So unbelievable that we're here given how he exploded onto the scene. At WOGSPN. The Charlotte Hornets are launching a Jersey Patch partnership with YouTube and social media sensation Mr. Beast, a first between an influencer and an NBA franchise. Feastables is his uh, food brand for Mr. Beast, and uh, like it's front and center. It's the first thing you see above the name Charlotte on the jersey. Do you know who Mr. Beast is, Matthew? I think I've heard the name before, but I, I certainly couldn't place Mr. Beast. He he started to be an influencer when he was like effectively a tween. He was 13, 14 years of age. Mm-hmm. He No one has more subscribers on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram than Mr. Beast. Okay, good on him. He's got a net worth of $500 million mm-hmm. from posting videos on the internet. Yeah. We are post, they, we they, post are video, they good videos? We post videos on the internet. Yeah. Well, who our, doesn't post Our net worth is a little, little lower than that. Mm-hmm. It's depressing to announce. Grady, we up to $500 million yet? I think we're $499 okay. away. Uh, he's, uh, Boy, I, I even like that. He's got 250 employees now. Oh, does he? Yeah. 250. 250? Yeah. It's quite an operation. It's an industry. It really is. It's a full industry from a guy who just started posting videos. At Optostats, the Atlanta Baseball Club finished with the outright major league lead in runs, hits, home runs, RBI, stolen bases, total bases, wins, and strikeouts. To be clear, this is players leading those individual categories, Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, and Spencer Strider. No other team has had the outright major league leader in more than five of those eight categories in a season since RBI became an official stat in 1920. So we have another one of those 
Century-long Playing stats. this game for more yeah. than a, or a century and a half, been counting the stats for almost that long. And we have another first here with Atlanta that goes into the postseason. I think it's fair to say as an overwhelming favorite here yeah. to win the World Series. As we always say about baseball, right, it's kind of like hockey goaltending. It's not necessarily who's the best team, but who's hot in that moment. And, of course, for hitters, you're going to fail – Seven out of ten times, and that puts you in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but needless to say, Atlanta goes in here as the one seed in the National League. They're plus 220 to win it all, according to Bodog. And I think Bodog is being very kind to the Dodgers at plus 375 in Houston at plus 450. Frankly, it's a, it's a decent line on Atlanta to win it all. For Atlanta to be this good. And this would be, of course, the second World Series for Alex Anthopoulos, their Canadian yeah, GM, crazy. if he but missed it, the first one. You remember he had COVID? He wasn't able to be at the ballpark. So. Oh, he's right, yeah. I I, um, I feel like it was a very big year of parody in baseball. Yeah. And yet you still have a stand-up performance. I mean, Orioles were pretty standout as well. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I uh, never know in the playoffs, of course. Uh, at Hacks with Hags, the roster battle for NHL spots on the Boston Bruins are tightening up a bit in camp as veteran winger Alex Chason was released from his pro camp tryout oh. over the weekend. He's a survivor. I, I mean, I, I had him in pen. He just, he just makes teams. Well, and that was a, that was a team you figured maybe he can make yeah. with the departure of so many right. veterans. But we'll see if this is the end of the line. I'm sure Alex Chason won't believe that. You, you know there's a head coach or a GM out there going, God, we need a guy to play the power place. Well, that's Stand just in it. in front of the net and just tap watch, home garbage. Watch November the 1st, who's in the <laughs> bottom third of the power plays, and who says, can we just get a guy to bang in pucks, please? Yes. That is his specialty. Yeah. And lastly, are you out? I'm out. Okay, end on a sad one here. Uh, Kelsey Snow at Kelsey writes, Kelsey's writes, today we hugged Chris for the last time and said goodbye as he went to give four people the gift of life by donating his kidneys, liver, and lungs. We are deeply broken and deeply proud. In life and in death, Chris never stopped giving. We walk forward with his light guiding us. This is, of course, Chris Snow, the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames, who has fought an incredibly courageous battle, he and his family versus ALS. Uh, we got the news last week that he was unresponsive and he was kept alive in order to donate these organs. This is a real-life hero, Blake. Uh, truly is. And, of course, join the rest of the hockey world passing along condolences to the Snow family. Two young kids, uh, yeah. the saddest of stories, and uh, our thoughts are with them. That's hashtags for today. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. I know Blake was riveted. Bye. Up at 2.45 a.m. Sunday to catch John Rahm versus Scotty mm, Scheffler in the singles so matches good. of Ryder Cup. The Golf Report is brought to you by the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club, wrapping up another incredible year of golf at the Palmer 
Last day of operations, October 8th, so still a little time here to get some great fall golf in. But if you got a group of 12 or more and are planning an excursion in 2024, visit whistlergolf.com slash groups. Tell the team there about your group. They'll get you tee times held. And you, the organizer, you play for free. More information, whistlergolf.com slash groups. I'll admit I did go down a Ryder Cup rabbit hole in the weekend mm-hmm. because of Hatgate. Oh, Hatgate. And See, this is why I don't understand why you don't love this term. Look at the emotion. Look at the things that come out in these players in this setting that you never see. I like that to. part. Like I, I think, um, and, and they are sending a bone, a skeleton crew of uh, of the reality show to the Ryder Cup, even though it's not PGA Tour. Well, <laughs> this is the best content they'll get all all right. year. So full swing will get a good yeah. a good look at this. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the the Hatgate, the the Rory uh, explosion outside outside the car there, uh, all that stuff really fun, really great. That's not golf, of all course. Right. So. Yeah, well, no, but it's entertainment. That's for <laughs> it sure. is. No, that part I give you for 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 those who missed it. There was a story in the UK saying that Patrick Cantley is not wearing a hat at the Ryder Cup because he's not getting paid for it or as some sort of protest about how much compensation there is involved. Now, of course, go back in the annals. This has been more of a matter for Team USA than it has been for Team Europe. I want to say David Duvall was the first one who brought the question to the fore. Not that he insisted on being paid, but he was the first, uh, if I'm not mistaken, to talk about it publicly years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that... You know, this team room was a little bit divided for uh, the U.S. side. Now, Cantley says he's not wearing the hat simply because it didn't fit. And if you watch his last appearance in the Ryder Cup, he didn't wear the hat either. That's right. Uh, I am. Which is strange. But it's believable. Like, you know, these pros are so accustomed to like micro precision. Right, like Phil Mickelson will tell you, there's a difference between 147 and 145 for him. But that's right? where that's where it falls flat, though, Matt. Well, it it no, didn't work but, the first time. You're 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 uh, you make a second team, and you'd be like, hey, just so you know, guys, last time the hats didn't fit. Except, you know, maybe he just feels comfortable wearing the hats he plays on tour and doesn't want to have a distraction atop his head that is a different feeling very than what he's accustomed. Very precious, but they are very precious, yeah. Blake. That's the one thing you've come. To, we've all come to learn about athletes at this level. Very, very precious. Very, very detailed. The sort of things that you and I go, really? They go, no, that's an important part of my routine. Mm-hmm. So European fans began waving their caps at Patrick Cantley as a, as a chide. Yeah. Around and what course. was the chant? They were chanting something to um, something about money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wearing caps for money or something like that, yeah. So Cantley makes an incredible 40-foot putt on the 18th as the final group still out there to win the hole for the Americans in the last of of four-ball and foursomes. And I thought it was really funny that Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and a lot of the American players at that point took the hats off and started waving them and giving it right back to the European fans. Mm. That was great. Alas, Joe LaCava... Cantley's caddy, and of course, famously Tiger Woods's caddy, was not only celebrating and waving his hat about, but apparently got in Rory McIlroy's line. And Rory was still to putt with a snowball's chance in hell of having the hole. Mm-hmm. 
So Rory and his caddy let LeCava know, hey, you know, you're in our line or you know, we're, we're trying to prepare for the next putt here. Move on over. And LeCava shouted a few things back. And then Shane Lowry started walking towards LeCava as an observer here. And they got heated as well. Hands were shook after the match. It's is the custom in golf. There were a few things said between Rory and Joe LaCava, but you figured, okay, that's it. Not so much. It extends to the parking lot where Jim Bones Mackay, of course, formerly Phil Mickelson's caddy, uh, now Justin Thomas's caddy, approached Rory as he was getting into his courtesy vehicle and Rory was still hot. And there is video of Rory yelling at Mackay, cursing at him, saying that can't happen. Apparently he even said, tell JT to hit a fairway for once or something along those lines and had to be restrained by Shane Lowry, put into the car and separated from Bones. What I, what I love is I saw one person say, the real problem with this whole scene is the camera person didn't pan to who Rory was pointing at. We are left to get, you know, third yeah. hand who, because there were a few players from both teams milling about there. But the camera never moved and Rory's pointing beyond bones to somebody else and like, just move the damn camera. I, I think it might be to Thomas. I think it's to LeCava maybe, but who but it knows? It may well yeah. be. I've been to LeCava as yeah. well. Anyways, a couple of American players go hatless yesterday in solidarity. (laughs) (laughs) But Europe with an overwhelming lead, 10.5 to 5.5. The Americans could not make up uh, the points. Uh, uh, A a little odd that Ricky Fowler conceded like a a 2.5-footer to Tommy Fleetwood for the win. I would have thought Ricky would have stepped up, hit his putt, and then... Obviously, if he missed it, he would have conceded. But yeah. Yeah, look, the die was cast. At that point, Europe was going to win. Just would have liked to have seen it end on a, a made putt as opposed For to sure. a, a very late and sort of quiet concession from Fowler. In fact, the concession went so unnoticed that Shane Lowry makes a putt on another hole in the golf course and celebrates like he's won the Ryder Cup for Europe. Not quite. Anyways, Europe now has won in Europe for the last 30 years. The Americans will be 34 years out between victories on European soil when it goes back to the continent in four years' time. Home, and here's home the other thing, matters like, there. Yeah. The, the, and it's the immediate aftermath interviews. One of the great things about this event is that both captains get interviewed within seconds or minutes of the clinching point. Luke Donald in tears of jubilation, saying he wasn't sure he could do the job. You'll remember he was the last, I shouldn't say last minute, I believe he got 14 months, but it was supposed to be Henrik Stenson's team, but Stenson moved to live golf and he was replaced as captain by Luke Donald. Zach Johnson in tears as well, talking about how proud he is of his team and that they weren't able to get it done. For me, it's the rawest emotion in the sport. I love the fact that these players get so moved playing for bigger constituencies than just themselves and their own bank account. And uh, look, the uh, Marco Simone course did its job. Those drivable par fours were fun all week long. The 18th was fun all week long. 
that one turtleback par three was a hellacious hole and tested the players. So look forward to a couple years from now on the Ryder Cup. Errors and omissions from Friday's program and beyond. Uh, For starters, and shame on me, I forgot to get to poll results from Thursday on the Bodog poll question. We asked you, would retiring Roberto Luongo's number one be unfair to the other number one? That was Kirk McLean. Uh, Just over uh, 1,047 votes here. Yes or no? What did the people say? Unfair, yes or no? Um, Yes. They said no. No? 71% said no. How about this on YouTube? 54% said yes. Really? Yes. How about that? YouTube continues to be a vastly different audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam, the former bath guy, absolutely not. Kirk McLean is honored in the ring of honor. While he had a good career with the Canucks, his time with the Canucks didn't even sniff Luongo's time with the team. A standard has already been set by retiring players' numbers in the Hall of Fame, so why not Luongo? Grant says, absolutely, it's unfair. I think your poll reflects just how disengaged the current fan base is with Canucks history and just how important Captain Kirk was to this team, they cannot see past 2011. And then that could very well be fair, Grant. I mean, that's sort of around the time when Twitter came to be. And a lot of people on there are young. And as we know, uh, this current generation doesn't have a lot of time for history. Top it, comment on YouTube from Chad. The best goalies in Canucks history should go up together. Well, and that's what Dan says. Dan says, two wrongs don't make a right. You can't retire Kirk's number. So that's in the past. Retire, lose. It's the right thing to do. Sorry. It was John who said, just retire both of them and make it the last number ever retired by a player without a cup. You could elevate it. I mean, yeah. Well, we had talked about the no rules here. You make the rules. You know, the, the Canucks could, you know, reassess and go, I think we've made a mistake in the eyes of our fans. I think we've made a mistake in the eyes of Roberto Luongo. Let's rectify this, but let's rectify this by making a big loving and have Kirk McLean on the ice and do them both all at once. I think you should... I think they should surprise it. They should have yeah. Kirk down on the ice, Kirk down on the right. ice, thinking it's all just about ring of honor for Luongo, and yeah. then boom, they put one up with exactly. both of them. That would be fun. And then we got some fun comments. Russ says, no, but it still should not be retired. Please stop this stupid conversation. And then Sean writes in quotes, would retiring the number of a Hockey Hall of Famer be unfair to someone who wasn't as good? There, fix your poll question. <laughs> Uh, more errors from Friday. Uh, it was 15-2, not 15-3 on the aggregate for the Canucks and losing that first those first three preseason games. And I mentioned Evan Carter, the star outfielder for the Texas Rangers, a rookie, said, I thought he made his season debut against the Blue Jays. He played a couple games against Oakland before that uh, series against Toronto where he was terrific, and I'm sure they're glad to avoid him in the wild Card round. Mm-hmm. Bodog line of the daytime, unless oh, you've got up. anything. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, he's got something. No. He's all excited about it. I was it. just ready to move on. He's all excited. Well, Matt and Blake decided to record the John Shannon interview through a tin can. Uh, not sure what happened there. Yeah. Surely mm. wouldn't have been mm. my fault no, in any regard. No, no. Heavens, no. Input, output settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Might even. Check those. First. John even clued you on that. Well, it, it sounded great top. during recording, but it was done because it was going through the board, and I was hearing that. But when we actually hit record, uh, uh, we got set back a couple generations mm-hmm. with that one. Gotcha. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. So you like what you got. Uh, I'm going to uh, leave the Whitecaps uh, match for now, 
because I'm drawn. As am I. I'm going to focus. Going there tomorrow. I'm going to enter Miami with or without Messi. They're plus 210 versus the Chicago Fire. It's in Chicago, mm. but the Fire are not all that. Saw that with the Whitecaps match there. And Miami is more than just messy now. Remember, they brought in like five guys at the deadline, and all of them have been spectacular. Miami at plus 210? Yeah, I'll take that on Wednesday for my Bulldog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.